Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, today my guest is Josiah Boucher, right? Is yes, that right? Like Bobby Boucher. Bobby Boucher. Who's yes. Bobby Boucher? Your cousin? No, he is from the Waterboy. The Waterboy. Yes. Bobby Boucher. Bobby Boucher. Mama, Mama said, knock you out. When you said that, you actually kind of look like him. <laughs> um, uh, Josiah is 35 years old. He's an old man. He has four children, married with four children from two to eight years old. Yep. You and your wife have been married for 12 and a half years. Correct. But who's counting? Right. Well, I'm not. You are. And so tell me a little bit about what you, like, what, career-wise, what do you do? Yeah, so career-wise, I've been basically, I'm an entrepreneurial job hunter. So I moved from tech company to tech company until they sell off. So I've, I've been a part of three tech companies that have sold off to large tech companies. So one sold to Intel, one sold to IBM, and one just sold to SAP. So I am in charge of product strategy for my most recent company right now. Nice. It's quite a resume. It is. It's fun. Now, there's one more thing on your resume that you told me about a few months ago. And I've only known you for, what, a year and a half, two years? How long have you been here? Two years. Two yeah. years. So... So something on your resume that no one wants and hardly anyone can say they have on their resume. Yep. So in yeah. 2005, seven, seven, yep. seven, you were kidnapped. I was. Yes. Some people call it adult nap because I was an adult at adult that time. Nap. But Adult naps what you do in the afternoon. <laughs> yes, this it, was also in the afternoon. <laughs> so that's quite a story. Yes. So, so tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, my wife and I just got married. So about 10 weeks after we got married, we decided to move away from family to start our own life. So we moved out to the Dallas Metroplex. My wife is from a small little farm town of nobody. And there's so everyone has like five, 10 acres and they all grow cotton and all that kind of stuff. Leave the doors unlocked. Leave the doors unlocked. And so she was already first scared of moving to a big city, but I've never lived in a small city. I've lived in DC, Dallas. I've lived in downtown Melbourne, Australia. So I've lived in big cities my whole life. I heard your accent that you tried it in Melbourne. Yes. yes. I have to say Melbourne because if you say Melbourne there, then they look at you funny. So well, that's like saying Berkshire. Yes. In America instead of Berkshire. Yeah. Exactly. All right, so where is your wife from? What so she's town? from Arkansas, a small town called Blyville, Arkansas. Blyville. That's it's, really, it's really Blytheville, but oh. they're very hickish out there. So they say Blyville. That's how the British do it, too. Yeah. So, okay. Um, but anyway, so we were moving out to Dallas because job opportunities there are a little better than Blyville. So when we went out there, I started working for a big accounting firm, and uh, we did a service project day. And so typically on those days, you get to go home early. So we got done around, I don't know, like one-ish, something like that. So I was heading home, but because I lived so far, she didn't want to live in downtown. So we lived out like 30 miles north of downtown. So I got on the train to go up there because at that point I didn't want to pay. I was poor, <laughs> basically, and gas was like $4 a gallon at that point. And so I rode the train. And so I get on the, I'm going to the train station and I'm waiting for the next train. Uh, 
guy comes up to me. He says, do you know what time the next train comes? This is before they had those digital signs that say, next train in five minutes. Back in the old days. Back in the old days when you actually had to look on a calendar or a little on a piece, of paper. piece of paper or anything, right? Um, and so not uncommon to be asked, do you know what time the next train's coming? Anyway, so we start talking. No one else on the platform. So we start talking. I'm a pretty open guy with people, so I just start talking with him. The train comes. We get on it. We're the only people on the actual car. So we sit next to each other, you know, start chewing the fat, talking about our jobs, our lives, what we do, and all this kind of stuff. And this guy sizing you up or something? Something. I don't know what he's doing, right? I thought we were just becoming good pals, you know, talking through some stuff. Interesting enough, we did talk about religion. Um, and it's very, it's, a, it's Texas, so the Bible Belt. Everyone talks about religion, so that wasn't an uncommon thing either. But anyway, so we keep talking. Get to my stop. Again, 30 miles north of downtown Dallas. And it's still not uncommon for everyone to get off at the same stop. So we get off, and I figure we're going to part our ways. And so I walk toward my car. As soon as I unlock the door and open it, I get this thing poking in my back. I turn around, he's sticking a gun in my back. The same guy I've been talking to the whole time. He's like, get in the car, unlock the door, and get in the car. I just like go into like shock mode. I'm like, what? what? Huh? I don't understand what's happening right here. And did so, you, did, okay, at that point, did you say something to him? No, I just wanted to, like, like, my brain really, okay. like, I was just like, huh? I was just, like, in shock kind of thing. I was just like, uh, I don't, what? No, what? And so, but anyways, because I'd already unlocked the whole car, he's walking around pointing a gun at me now and gets in the driver's or the passenger side of the car. So I get into the car, not thinking, damn, I probably shouldn't have done that, but. What, time, get, what time of day was it? Uh, so we left about one-ish from the first oh, train station, okay. and it's yeah, it's still mid-afternoon because whatever 30 miles took, I don't know what the train ride was, probably like 30 minutes or something like that. Um, and so he says, okay, follow my directions and everything will be okay. So we, I back up. He tells me to turn down certain roads. We end up at a bank, and he tells me to go through the ATM line and withdraw cash from it. So I'll tell you some secrets about the ATM here that I've learned from this experience. But he says, withdraw the cash. So I get the cash out, give it to him. He says, get back on the highway and head back towards downtown. So now it's still midday, but traffic is still pretty heavy. So it took a while for me to get back down. There's whole time he's holding a gun at me, right? So, yeah, so what do you talk about? I don't recall. <laughs> like, I used to remember what we were talking about. I don't recall exactly what we were talking about throughout this whole he was talking mostly and I was just more of driving. Yeah. Right. So I don't really recall exactly what we were talking about. Cause I think I was more in like Still just a shock. mental shock yes. thing. So I was just like, Is this really happening? just drive. And I didn't really know what was going on. Yeah. So we're driving down. And as we approach downtown Dallas, he says, keep going past downtown Dallas. And so though, if you've ever been to Dallas, the ghetto part, the part that no one goes into at nighttime, is this place called Oak Cliff. That's the, you just don't want to go to that. Sketchville. Yeah, very sketchy. So that, I know that's the next city right after downtown. And so we keep driving. And then as soon as we get to that city, he's like, exit this road. And it's Martin Luther King Boulevard. And the only reason I remember that is because I remember the one thing he said to me. He said, do you know what happens to white guys on Martin Luther King Boulevard? He says they all get killed. And so I'm thinking in my head, great, 10 weeks of marriage. My wife's already going to be a widow. This is this can't turn out good, right? And so I asked, 
I still don't know why I asked this, but I was like, can I call my wife? If I'm not going to see her again, can I at least call her? He said, you can call her, but tell her you're running late. So I called her up, and she was in the shower. And so I just left a voicemail saying, honey, I love you. Got to go. I'm going to be late. Bye. Since then, we've come up with a code word. So if we call each other, we always say something about a cat because I'm deathly allergic to cats. And so we'll never have one. And so if we say that, then we know something's wrong with the other person. Interesting. So yeah. we, we've, we've learned lots of things and grown okay. from this, right? But anyway, so I left that voicemail and then we're off the road, off the highway. So he's like, he just kept telling me to turn different roads, like right here, left there, left here. And so I got totally just lost. I had no clue where I was. And, and we just were driving, we're driving. And he says, see that abandoned warehouse up there? Pull up to there. So I pull up on the side of the road right in front of it. He says, park the car and get out. I'm like, oh, this is not good. And then out, as soon as I put it in park, this group of guys all come out carrying their guns. So, how, just, so how many guys was there? It was probably like six, seven, something like that. doesn't matter. It could have been one. <laughs> there were just a number. bunch of them coming out with guns, and I was like, this is not going the way I think I thought my life was going to be going, right? And so he's like, park it. Let's get out. So I put it in park, and I'm getting ready to get out, and he opens the door, and he steps out, and not thinking at all, my body did something that I didn't think about. It put it into drive and start and just floored it. I didn't think about this. Like, I didn't like, oh, let's do this. It just automatically did that. I just floored it going, the door open, and I took the first turn. And I heard <laughs> coming out from behind me. They were shooting at you. Yeah. And so I was like, what? I didn't even know. So I just take the first turn. I just keep driving. I just, I wasn't stopping because I didn't know what was going to happen to me. Right. And I don't know how much longer later. But I get a call from my wife. She's like, where are you? I was like, I have no idea where I'm at. I've been kidnapped. They robbed me. She's like, what? What is going on? And then she called me down. She's like, do you have enough? Can you call the police? And I was like, I don't know what to do. And so she's like, just come home. I was like, I don't know where I'm at. Yeah, how do you train for that? And this was before you had GPS on everyone's phone and stuff like that. So yeah. you couldn't really get back, like, looking on your phone and be like, oh, yeah, this is how I get there. So she's like, see the big Look for tall skyscrapers, because that's downtown Dallas. Drive that way, then you'll be able to find your way home. So I get driving back there. I get find Dallas. I get back to my house, whatnot. My wife had called the police in the meantime. They were there. They took my story, whatnot. The next night, we were on interviewed by CBS. They did a whole story on us. And eventually, this led to the DART, which is the Dallas area rail road transit or something like that it's a police thing now for their trains and they also implemented uh security cameras because they didn't have any of that stuff back there and my story was the one that spurred all that kind of stuff so it was a uh, it was an interesting time and the police feel like it was a uh a gang initiation thing so yeah. you had to bring someone in to kind of prove you prove, prove you're, that you're you could, well, you're tough it. enough to yeah and so and because the, the reason they think that's because a few weeks later happened to two girls together they were taken and one got killed and the other one got out somehow and so they feel it was like it was the same mo but they don't i mean our descriptions were different so it could have been a different person in there but they both uh they had the similar type of situation but they still to this day have not caught the person to my knowledge that nor have they asked me to come back for that so yeah and then you're on the news you know so i wonder if those those <laughs> You know, I bet that the guy that was 
you know, during the initiation, got kicked out of the club because he didn't follow through because they saw it on the news. But could have been, yeah. And I was worried about that when that reporters called me up. They're like, "Oh, can we do the story on you?" I'm like, "I don't want them to know my name or where I'm at or anything like that." I'm like, well, we'll mask all your name and just say a whatever, like very generic. And if we want, we can blur out faces and all that kind of stuff. And so, what did you say? What you had them do? They just covered my name but they didn't change my face okay so as soon as they aired the next day i get calls from like all these people like hey we saw you on the news are you okay and i uh, the company i was working for my dad used to be a partner at that company and so all of his old colleagues were still there they came up to me like do you need a gun i can get you concealed texas right we'll get you i can get you five guns today which one do you want we'll get a concealed license by the end of the week let's get this going i was like i'm good and i rode the train the next day because I was like, what's the likelihood of this happening twice, right? You're just testing fate, aren't you? Yeah, my, my wife is still, it probably took about seven or eight years to get over that tragic event. Me, I was pretty much ready to go the next day. So, I guess she doesn't, she, it was so, it happened so fast, she didn't really, she didn't really have time to even process how scary it was. Yeah, no. she didn't even know. She didn't you, even know, yeah, at on. all. How long, okay, from the time you got off the train with this dude till you got away from him, how long was that? So it was probably like, so if it feels like one-ish, because I got back, I hit back traffic coming back home. So I didn't get home till like 6.30, 7. So it was a good chunk of time with this guy. So, of course, it started out nice, right, on the train ride up there, and then so probably like, what was that, five and a half, six hours of gun pointing at me compared to like the 30-minute nice ride with the guy. That is just, that's just mind-blowing. It's almost like Hollywood couldn't write that, you know. I know, right? And so the, um, I got some advice from the police and from the bank afterwards. So late. Exactly, right? Um, so FYI, if you ever go to a bank and you go to an ATM, if you put your pin in exactly backwards what it will do is it will spit out the money and then lock down on it and call the police at the same time oh interesting so don't accidentally put your pin in backwards because it does call the police and you won't be able to get your money out but it's a good way to get them stuck because they'll try to pull it out and they can't get it out so they'll either leave or whatever because they're nervous as much as you yeah, are yeah um and then the other thing is is when you're driving when you're getting if someone ever gets in your car with you the two things you should do are one, either drive to a police station, but who knows where a police station's at, right? The other thing they said is 90% of the time, they're as scared, if not more scared than you are. And so when you get into the car, you habitually put on your seatbelt. When they get into the car, it's not their car. They're doing something abnormal. They don't typically put on their seatbelt. So they say crash into something. Yep. Because you're going to be safe and they won't be. And they're going to get airbagged or something out. Yeah. Yeah. And so but what that has to entail is you have to be able to think when you're in this situation, which I wasn't able to. But so. Yeah. Because they have the perpetrator has time to think about it and prepare you. You're like, this is what is this really happening? Yeah. And you, you're like, we were just chatting. We were like, buddy, buddy on the train. Now you got a gun in my back. Yes. So, but from that, I, I never, I, for the next year when I was riding the train, I was always the last person off the car. 
made sure everyone was in front of me when I was walking back to my car and I actually stopped talking to people. I was a very open person. I talked to like random strangers. I didn't talk to anyone I didn't know for years. Like if, unless it was like at a work setting, like in a meeting, yeah. but if it was like just out in public, I would not talk to anyone I did not know. That's because I was like, yeah, the trust thing is that, that that's what made it the hardest for me. If it would have just been some random guy coming out of the shadows and sticking a gun at me, I would have still been scared, but I don't think it would have been as shaky. You weren't violated. Yeah, because it's like, trust. We, I thought we had a trust relationship there and you broke that. And I was like, now I don't know anybody. Like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what your motives are for talking to me anymore. So, Yeah, it's like, you know, people always say, well, be Christ-like and Christ would help anyone. and But... Christ also knows their intentions in their hearts, and we do not. So, you know, you see someone on the side of the road that needs help or something, you're a little leery at first, especially if it's dark or mm -hmm. even if it's a lady, because you've heard of, I've heard of, you know, ladies as the decoy. Yeah. You go to help, and then they're her little buddies come out of the bushes, and yeah, we don't know the intents of no. someone's heart. And what we don't. Doing. And that, that's a hard thing, too, right? But especially nowadays when people have cell phones and stuff like that, you're like, do they really need help? I, I'm very hesitant to pull over and help. When growing up, my dad would pull over and help people he saw on the side of the road like all the time. It felt like that was normal. But now, I'm, you know, you're like, I don't know why you're really, why is your car off on the side? It's like, it doesn't, I, I don't know if you've been, you're no, you've been jaded for yeah. obvious reasons. I mean, that's, and, and which is sad because how many people you could have helped that you didn't because. You're just like, mm, not, not worth the risk anymore. Yeah. Clearly. No, it's so. it's a tough thing. I mean, especially when I was a very outgoing person. I'm still pretty outgoing, but I've my wife can contest to that I've toned down a lot. If you were to see me in college, I was a much more outgoing. Every, I walk around, everybody knew who I was. Now I'm a much more reserved person than I actually was before. Even after 12 years. Yeah, I mean, I'm still, still, I'm an outgoing person, but not nearly as much as I used to be. No PTSD or anything? Or <laughs> it may be, and maybe that's what's causing it, but I don't, yeah, I'm just not as outgoing as I used to be. Oh, that's, dude, that's, that's mind-boggling that, you know, I've never known, you know, I, I, I've known Elizabeth Smart. Didn't know her, but and that's the only person I know is yeah. got kidnapped, you know. So to to it's almost like talking to someone who's in a plane crash and they survive. It's, you're some sort of like ghost, you know, because you've made it, you know. So yeah, it's a very good cocktail story to have. That whenever you're at a cocktail party, people are like, "Oh, tell us about you," and you're always, "Oh, he's the guy that was kidnapped, right?" So it's always well, you could you can one up anybody with that story. <laughs> so you get someone. Brian Regan has a has a sketch called the me monster uh -huh. you know someone at the party that's always talking about me myself and i and i and, and then he says if i was the guy that walked on the moon i could just eliminate every conversation <laughs> you have that you have that clout now yes i do and right? you could say well tell me something interesting about yourself well how much time do you have yes yeah, 18 minutes <laughs> and know? so it's, yeah it's funny too because my wife wouldn't let me talk about it publicly to anybody for a long time because her ptsd was hardcore and with that too, I wasn't able to go out like hang out with friends or and I couldn't leave her alone for the longest time or I couldn't be a by myself for long. She'd get too worried. And so uh, actually when the way you kind of found out about it was when I was talking in front of a group and I just blurted out, oh yeah, and this is something that happened. And she got upset with me. I was like, why'd you tell people that? So oh. she's, uh, she's, she's still getting better, but not fully there where she's ready to talk about it. So. Well, yeah, because I mean, her perspective, but 
yeah, 10 weeks into marriage and didn't think he almost <laughs> lost, you know. Yeah. So that, that first, within that same 10 weeks, it was a very trying 10 weeks. We had that happen. A couple weeks later, we were on a hit and run accident. Someone rear-ended us on the highway. So we got a new bumper out of it. So I, the one that got hit was no longer there anymore. So I did get a new bumper on there. Her car got broken into and they stole her radio and her church CDs by all CDs. It just happened to be the ones up on her visor. They just they grabbed took that. Yeah. And then uh, she got rushed to the ER because she got a poison ivy reaction from work. And she's like, from so, work? Yeah. Was she, she working outside? Uh-huh. She's working outside. Wow. And so poison ivy, she has a bad reaction to it. So all that happened in our first 12 weeks of marriage. And so we had a very sh- – our foundation now is really strong with each other because of that. But it, it was a rough uh, first 12 weeks. She's probably just, man, I should have listened to my <laughs> mom. Like, she's like, well, what, the funny thing is one of her brothers promised her that – because she always wants an Audi. An Audi is the car she really okay. wanted, right? And so one of her brothers – because she has seven brothers. So they, they put me through the ringer trying to get to married her. to her because they're like her sister, right? They're like, we got to hold her and protect her. But one of them – Promised to buy her an Audi if she did not marry me. <laughs> Luckily, she turned them down. I was like, you should have said, okay, take the Audi, and then we go get married after that. I in, was like, In the Audi. <laughs> exactly right. That'd be our bye-bye, we just married car. So is that still a family joke? It is, yeah. Oh, that's funny. So. Are they all good with you now? Yeah, they're all good. Because, yeah, they have, so my wife has, there's three girls and seven boys. The old, her older sister was married to this guy. He was just, he wouldn't come to any family outings. He was just scum kind of thing and ended up getting divorced with her uh, sister and all that kind of stuff. So that was the bar of men trying to enter into the family before I got there. And they're like nine, 10 years older than us. So I was then the next one coming in. And so all seven brothers were like, blah, blah, blah. You can't get into our family. And they were doing everything to me. So, I mean, yeah. Try to test you. Yeah, they did. So. That's but it. at least I proved myself that I could be okay after even that one, the first 12 weeks. So they were good with me. Jeez, dude, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So do your kids know? I guess are they old enough to really even Yeah, I've told them about it. Do they even know what that means? Or? Yeah, they know. Yeah. Uh, well, at least the two older ones for sure. The four-year-old, she's yeah. just like, yep. someone held a gun to you. Someone pointed a gun at you. You're not supposed to point guns at people. So she at least knows that, but nothing right. else beyond that. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was telling my boys that I was coming over here to talk with you about this. They're like, why do people want to hear about that? <laughs> it's like, you'll know one day. It's, I was like, because it's, a, it's an interesting story that people don't typically have. But like, well, they don't want to hear about your story. So I'll have to tell them people do want to hear about it. Well, you'll have to, you'll have to play this for them so they okay. can hear it. But... Will do. Dude, that is so cool. Thank you so much for coming yeah, and my sharing pleasure. with me. That was, uh, may you not have more like that. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, we can talk about other things, but this uh, I don't think we're going to do this one again. Sounds good. I appreciate awesome. it. Cool. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us.